Hi, this is Stephen Salk from Solutions Brewing Company, and I'm joined today by Robert Kalachuk and Brendan Pipa. And today, what are we talking about, Robert? Uh, well, today we're going to be talking about stuck fermentations. It's a problem that almost every home brewer has had, and even professional brewers have it. My space has been pretty good here for home brewing. I've got uh, in the in the summertime. In the summertime, I actually ferment in the basement because it gets too hot on the upper levels, so I do it um, do in the basement. Mainly because I don't have temperature control, it actually stays at a nice 18 or 19 degrees in the basement. So sometimes maybe it just goes like fermentation goes a little bit slower than I need to, but there's not much I can do about it. I usually just let that run. The only other fermentation problems I've had is when I dabble with distilling, I'm making spirits like rum or something like that. And I, I found out that uh, while it's fermenting, the, the pH, the fermenter actually drops from, it starts at like five and will drop down to like two if you don't pay attention. So you can actually kill the yeast off. Really? It'll actually get that low? Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. I was like, oh, man. I was like, why is this not fermenting? I'm like, oh, because <laughs> <it's, laughs> yeast is just swimming in acid. <laughs> when you're doing something the first time, you like, you just do something. You're like, oh, you know, this will work like beer. You just set it and forget it. But no, that doesn't work that way. And then uh, you find out that uh, you just use some calcium carbonate, which is, uh, for people that don't know, is uh, basically just food-grade chalk. Uh, that will uh, raise the pH. So I check it like every three, four days. It'll drop from five uh, to well, it'd be about like from like four point eight pH down to like three point three or three point five. So I just have to add some calcium carbonate to bring it back up so that the fermentation will keep going. Okay, that is interesting. I never would have thought about that kind of aspect of the problem. Like you said, with, with any kind of fermentation, like I've done beer and wine, and and both of those are kind of simple you can run into a stuck scenario when yeast just deactivates due to temperature but the actual chemistry change in the distilling process is very interesting yeah i think for beer the only time i ever had a problem was like you said was the temperature where it's just it got too low and it just stopped you just had to bring it back up actually yeah. it's it's interesting that you bring up the ph with that because that's how like how you're supposed to do like sour kettle sour beers and all that kind of stuff for home brewer, when you're doing kettle sours, generally it's just throw in for one day, two days, or three days sort of thing. If you're actually doing the chemistry, it's the same sort of thing is that you're actually dropping the pH of the beer, usually from that five down to like 4.4 to four range, or even sometimes lower. They like basically have to stop that before it gets too low. Then you do your boil, or sometimes you do even post-boil if you're doing like a Flanders Red or something like that. That's another thing yeah, you have to watch out for is it can get nasty <laughs> inadvertently. Yeah, I've never tried to make a sour before, so that's, I, you know what, I never would have thought about that either. So, similar to your house, Rob, like I've got a nice basement that's, you know, concrete, and so it, you know, it keeps the temperature pretty well. The only time I've ever gotten into trouble with yeasts is when I've tried to go with the fancy yeasts. So not like your Safel 05, 04, your WB06 or anything like that. It's always getting those liquid beasts from uh, W yeast or um, White Labs. It's only when I've done with those and usually with Sizens that I run into trouble. At the time I was working for this company and I'm going on a business trip and I was waiting to basically transfer, uh, just before the business trip, I was going to transfer the beer to secondary and then go on my trip, uh, except the yeast stalled. And specifically, it was W yeast 3724. So 
final boil was at like 1060 and he needed to get down to its 1010 and it stopped at 1035 and it sat there and it sat there and i'm like okay is it just gonna kick down a little bit or what's going on go online and turns out that specific yeast strain is really loves temperature and it needed at least 25 degrees oh. in a house that you keep at like usually 20 to 22 or something like that so to do this um i have a little powder room on my main level and so i put the yeast on the counter in there i put a a, a standard oil heater in there uh cranked up and then set down the temperature and then put a, a hydrometer in there and i left on my trip and basically said to my at the time girlfriend and now wife uh i'm basically like okay every day open the lid take a look and see what the number is and once it gets down to like 10 10 turn off the heat and just leave it like i don't care like it, it was too big for her to move on her own but i was just like just leave it and sure enough cranking up the temperature uh and it was i think the third day of my trip it finally hit its uh specific gravity but uh the actual solution to that is to have a heating belt, which you can buy at pretty much any store or a wine supply store or anything like that. You can put an electric belt around it and that does it. And I picked one up right after and never used it ever since. <laughs> <laughs> you got to make another size in here, Steve. <laughs> got to well, get it going that way. Well, the thing is, is that so, I learned that that yeast is it's just it's temperamental. And if you choose... It's one of the ones that's really close in number. I'd have to look it up on their website, but it's, you know, virtually the same, except it's not that exact strain. And you do that and it works fine. It's just that specific one loves temperature. But you've made other well, sizes before, so you just use different yeast or what? Yeah, and that's what it was. It's like you get you get fancy yeast because, you know, you go into the brewery supply shops and they've just got, you know, columns of yeast and so much hops because each yeast strain does have different characteristics which is good for beer and all that kind of stuff but it was kind of that was kind of like the death knell for me because i'm just like why am i doing this to myself like why don't i just get a sap l05 use it for a couple generations and i get some funk going on and then go from there but yeah no that was uh there's yeah one specific strain i will never ever ever use again <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, uh, it's, it's kind of funny. I mean, you had the solution of uh, putting a you know a heater in the power room and closing the door or whatever. You know, it's <laughs> yeah, the real tank solution. And then the true solution again, like that, you can buy them anywhere, but they just you know snug around a carboy and or you know a, a pail, and it just turns on and you know that's good enough sort of thing too. But uh, yeah, no real jank solution. So the, the belts, they have uh, some auto shutoff features and, and stuff like that. So it's definitely a safer solution than the, the oil heater and the clo closer and all that. <laughs> yeah, for stuff. sure. But, <laughs> but it worked, right? So oh, it worked. Awesome. You got it done. You, you oh, keep an eye on it. You can do it safe. But the, the belts are nice. Oh, I just remembered too because oh, cause I was really panicking and I was really looking for a small space. So I was going to build like a small cardboard box, put the pail in there and then put the oil heater in there. But thankfully, my brain turned on at the last second and went, no, that's a fire hazard. You should <laughs> Yeah, that'd be a bad one. Yes, we encourage everyone to be safe and to not start fires. That's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> safe solutions, folks. Safe solutions. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Brendan? Uh, what, what have you had with uh, stuck fermentations? Yeah, we, we like to keep these well, conversations I... awkward, right? Because, I mean, this, this, this is your idea, Brendan, and you get to talk last. <laughs> yeah. 
So I don't know if I have as exciting stories as uh, as you guys do. I have dealt with fairly routine stock fermentations. My my house and my brewing setup uh, a little bit different than than you guys. I have the uninsulated concrete basement, so temperature fluctuates are a little bit more. And because I'm a little bit cheap and I don't like to heat all the parts of my house the same, I keep it isolated a little bit from the rest of the house. So during transition months are kind of the worst kind of fall going into winter and then uh, winter coming back into spring that that basement area can drop down to 14 15 degrees not enough that i'm worried about anything getting frozen or spoiling anything else on there but low enough that yeast does start to deactivate and i have run into a number of stuck fermentations enough so that i, I i'm kind of aware of and i start checking a couple days early to see the progress that the yeast is making and all that and if it is dropping too low it, it's an easy problem to know about because it feels cold down there and the yeast feels the cold too. And so pick up the fermenter, move it upstairs for a couple of days to finish off the fermentation and go through it that way. But yeah, there's certainly been, I'd say one in every four of my beers encounters some form of stock fermentation. Okay. That's just due to the temperature high. of my brewing. It is. That's quite it a is. bit. It is. And again, it's those trans transition months, right? And I'm, too cheap to buy the electric belt to keep it warm. And I like to keep the beer out of the rest of my house most of the time. So, But one thing I will say is that during the summer months, it is a beautiful place to ferment because it is sitting around that 18 to 19 degrees when outside can get up to 30 plus yeah. area. So summer is a beautiful time for me to brew beer. And I try to brew most of my stuff in the summer months. I think you also have like a little bit of a hidden solution there, Brendan. If, if I remember your basement correctly and where you got your hot tub, you could probably check your fermentation on the way out to your hot tub. <laughs> yes, and I have done that before. <laughs> or, you know, you start you start transferring or you, you, you I mean, transferring and siphoning product can take a, a little bit of time. And when you know that you're not going to overflow anything, you can start the process and go relax a little bit in the hot tub while it does its thing. <laughs> Perfect. Have you, have you, either of you ever had bad yeast? Or like a really stale old yeast before. Yeah, I have actually. Um, I don't know if it was bad or if it was old or, or both. But uh, yeah, I definitely have had some where you pitch them and you give them the perfect conditions and and absolutely nothing happens. Yeah, because like I've had a few that they'll, they'll start, like they'll start bubbling and then just completely quit. And it'll be stuck at like 1040 or maybe 1030 in that range. It has happened enough that I've got a little bit of just like standard. I, I can't remember what brand it is. It's like just brewer's yeast. It's like the super cheap stuff. It's not even the Safdale. It's even cheaper than the Safdale. I've always got a couple around just in case. Because if I do run into that situation, I just dump that in just oh. to give it some. Uh, yeah, no, I, I'm the same. I always keep a, a pack of Saf, an extra pack of Safdale just sitting around in case it doesn't take but i have I, I do try to reuse the yeast and keep it going for a few generations so it's always kind of my backup in case a generation goes softer or doesn't want to take the way that its uh, previous generations did so yeah definitely good practice to have how do you feel about the fermentations with uh, older generations um because I, I was doing that for a while and and you know usually the the research and stuff that you you do when you're reading it's like ideally you're using the same yeast for the same type of beer every time I'm always making different ones, so uh, lately I haven't been I haven't been saving any of the yeast. I just I just keep using fresh fresh yeast each time. But uh, I'm I'm curious, like how how so, many generations have you gone, and do you notice a difference? 
doing an interesting question. So I have actually done uh, a side-by-side -side comparison here. This would have been several, several months ago. Um, but I had an opportunity to make two batches of my homebrew version of the Missing Peas Blonde Ale, a fantastic beer that everybody should drink. Um, <laughs> and I did one as per the original recipe with the, the, the South Hill um, dry pitch yeast that I typically use. Uh, and then I had made the comparison batch with a, I think it was a three generation uh, SO4 at that point, which had previously been used on some darker beers. So it picked up some of the, the darker tones and all that sort of stuff. And there is a, a difference that is produced in the beer. I mean, the, the one that was made as per recipe was a little bit brighter, a little bit fresher um, with the, the the standard dry pitch yeast. The other one, you ended up with some other flavors coming through the beer that you wouldn't typically have in that blonde ale. So some of the darker malts that kind of carried through with, with the yeast. Um, not enough that it really changed it from the beer that it was, but you could kind you could tell on the taste side-by-side -side comparison since I was home brewing and I was consuming all the beer myself and with my close friends that <laughs> I, I felt like it was worth saving the $5 on the yeast to, to go that route. But in a commercial scenario, I wouldn't. So you did notice that there's enough of a difference that, uh... yeah, there is. And so it's, if, if I going from there, I've since then I've tried to use, if I'm reusing yeast and it's been used in a dark beer, I'll reuse it for a dark beer only. Um, just cause you have a number of other, malt flavors coming through there that the the small influence of the previous beer won't be felt as much mm. um but going to a blonde or, or one of the lighter beers where there's kind of less room to hide i i tend to use a uh, fresh yeast yeah i agree with that because i think the longest generation i've had like a yeast go is about six generations and i was mixing pretty like i was going light beers dark beers and all that and i did a sour so that was the interesting but the fifth generation beer was a sour and the sixth generation beer was like my standard, um, well, it'll be the DIY for, for you know, Solutions Brewing. But going from that sour beer to the British Brown Ale, yeah, that British Brown Ale tasted off. Like not super off that it was, you know, like, oh, I'm not going to drink this or something's wrong with it. But you could tell there was uh, a bit of tartness to it that is generally not in that beer at all. So I, I did that batch and then I, I went back and looked and went, oh yeah, no, whoops. <laughs> that yeast that's been sitting in the fridge, that was used for my dark ritual beer. And I was like, oh, make that note, fresh yeast for the next time. So yeah, you're, you're right. Like it generally doesn't make too much of a difference, but it can pick up flavors from its previous batches. So yeah, keeping it to darks or keeping it to lights or, you know, same class of beers is probably the best solution to that. Yeah, I've been I've been trying to stay like pretty solid to uh, this yeast was used for that beer, uh, and when I was trying to save it, I found out that I had like jars sitting in the fridge for like two months. So I'm like, that yeast is probably no good. <laughs> I think it's like you know, crack it and it like smells basically smells like vinegar or something, and you're like, oh yeah, 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 that's just going down the sink. So after after letting that happen a few times, I was I just, I kind of gave up trying to reuse yeast. I just use a fresh one every time now. But that's only because yeah, I, I go through yeah. so many different beers. But uh, yeah, if, if you're homebrewing and you don't care too much about it, like you can, again, like six generations, like that's 30 bucks saved if you can get that far and if you're brewing frequently enough. But again, that's 30 bucks. Like that's just a grain bill at like your local store. So well, that, that could be more if you're using liquid yeast, right? Like if you started with a oh, liquid yeah. yeast. Yeah, it's true. If if you're doing the W yeast or the the 
White Labs. White Labs. White Labs or something. That's like a ten ball ten dollars a pop at least. Yeah. So I, it's definitely I, I, something to consider. I think there's there's good ways to do it. I mean if you're if you if you're brewing relatively frequently, like I would not store um, yeast in the fridge for longer than a month um, before before using it in the next batch. But it's certainly a good way to save money if you're making similar types of beer or if you're making similar classes. Um, for a while there, uh, I was brewing frequently and I was having actually, I would have two different yeast strains that I was carrying over. So typically it was an SO4 strain and an SO5 strain. And I was using one for light beers and one for dark beers. And and that I kept for three or four generations each, and that's that's a, enough money to make a couple of beers if you're doing it right. In the interest of economical inebriation, it's it's a way to go. Yeah, if you want, if you really want to stretch your dollar, that's definitely a way to do it. Yeah, especially if you have a kegerator and you only got like one or two taps, and you're kind of making the same beer all the time. That's great. Mm-hmm. Like I was, I was rocking six taps for a while, and it was just yeah. It was not working out. <laughs> yeah, I've just got the twos, so yeah, it's just keep keeping both of them stocked is not too bad. Oh, well, I think uh, I think that's all we have for fermentations, and uh, I guess even a little tangent there about uh, reusing yeast. <laughs> yes, it was a good discussion on yeast in general. Hopefully, there's some some good solutions for some people out there who might be running into issues or considering other options for making their beer cheaper. Yeah, nope. There's uh, no issues with uh, reusing your yeast because yeah, we've all done it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, hopefully you enjoyed listening to this podcast. Uh, I'm Rob. I'm Stephen. I'm Brendan. And uh, hope you guys listen to the next episode, and we'll see you next time, where we continue looking for the solution to opening a successful brewery.